Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony, a news magazine show featuring human interest, in the spotlight, movers and shakers, and the news and happening that affect all of us in and out of the ACB community. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Sunday Edition with your host, Anthony Corona. I am really glad to be back live this week. I hope everybody enjoyed our Movers uh, Get Up and Get Moving presentation last week. And uh, some of the folks from that call will be back next Sunday to talk about the Coast to Coast Dance Party and what else we can expect from Get Up, Get Moving. So looking forward to that. We've got a great show today. Um, in a few minutes, we're going to speak, be speaking with the new administrative assistant out in the Alexandria office, Debbie Brown. Later on in the show, I'll be speaking with Gabriel Lopez Cafati and Guillermo Robles, who will be celebrating with us Hispanic Heritage Month, which I'm just a little bit confused. Maybe one of them can explain to us why um, the Hispanic Heritage Month is September 15th to October 15th. It's like a middle of the month to middle of the month celebration. Not that it makes any difference. I'm just kind of, you know, every other month seems to be from, you know, the 1st to the 30th or 31st, but we'll talk about that a little later on. Um, I've got a couple of announcements to make. Tomorrow is National Coming Out Day. Uh, if you are a member of Blind LGBT Pride or a allied member, you might really be interested in our Pride Connection this Tuesday at 10 p.m. on ACB Media One. We'll be speaking with Gabriel again, actually, and Jessica Tomlinson about activism, um, the Democratic Party, <laughs> and some other awesome stuff. And we'll also be hitting on uh, White Pain Day, National Coming Out Day, and of course, they will be giving us a sneak peek into our Denver Falls Social Open Mic Night, which um, folks out there, if you'd like to join us for that, we'll be sending out invitations by that for that by invitation only. Um, <laughs> as I said, Friday is White Pain Day, and ACB and the Get Up Get Moving folks are celebrating with a coast to coast dance party. Starting in the 60s, going all the way through hits of today right now uh, with fabulous guest DJs and a lot of get up, get moving challenges. So please look out and, and celebrate that. 60 for 60 is still going strong. <laughs> Hit up acb.org if you want to be part of the 60 for 60 years of the American Council of the Blind campaign. I'm going to let Byron um, do an announcement from Artist Basin about Randall Shepard vendors, and then I'll be back with the last announcement. And we'll start talking with Debbie Brown. Okay, well, we got a, a whole lot of information for you about the RSVA uh, mini BEP training conference. Uh, it's going to be held virtually on Wednesday, October 20th and Thursday, October 21st, 2021, with a special RS vendor check-in call on Tuesday night. Uh, on Tuesday, October 19th at 8 p.m. Eastern, meet and greet, chat with our special guests, and learn all about the world of ACB Media 
uh, and the depth and breadth of their internet radio streams and podcasts and so much more. On Wednesday, October 20th from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern, the following topics will be presented. Uh, The first one, how to present to legislators and others about the Randolph Shepard program. Uh, part one, getting advocates involved in reaching legislatures and uh, legislators and others. Part two, telling your story, the importance of necessary business insurance, when to use a broker or get a 401k policy uh, or self-employment SEP insurance plan, navigating the trends in employee uh, compensation. And on Thursday, October 21st, from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern, the following topics will be presented. Why NAYAX is a better solution. Why not use the uh, why not use temp agencies? RSA June Circular, what does it mean with Jesse Hartle from RSA? Uh, HR compliance, steps in hiring and firing staff. Discovering new products and services to enhance your sales. And you can register by sending an email to rsva at randolph-shepherd.org. That's rsva at r-a-n-d-o-l-p-h space or dash s-h-e-p-p-a-r-d dot org. Uh, And they need your name, your address, your phone number, uh, the participant type. Are you a vendor? staff, guest, and email address for conference program and Zoom info. Uh, pay the $25 registration payment by going to randolphshepherd.org slash paypal slash paypal-payment.php. And if you have any issues getting the payment processed or the process of registering, you can call them. Uh, their number is one 238 nine three two one and the conference will be streamed on acb media registrants will be able to participate on uh, zoom and are eligible for door prizes and will receive recordings within two weeks of the conference well if you're a fan of shark tank or thinking about becoming an entrepreneur this is definitely a set of seminars that is well well worth it artists thank you so much for this information um i will announce it again next week if need be um my next announcement, I will actually get into a little bit with um, Gabriel and Guillermo later on, but the Multicultural Affairs Committee uh, has been holding bilingual phone, uh, calls via Zoom, Spanish-English, and they're now doing the first of their book club meetings, reading about uh, Justice Son- Sonia Sotomayor, I hope I am saying that right, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that when Guillermo and Gabriel step up later. Byron, I wanted to thank you and by extension, Miss Amanda. You guys took over Sunday edition a few weeks ago when um, I was in Orlando for the Florida Council of the Blind Board meeting. I got a chance to listen to the show. It was awesome. I hope you guys had fun. Oh, it was a blast. And thank you so much for allowing us to um, take Sunday edition over and talk all about what ACB Next Generation is up to. That was that was just so much fun. Awesome. And um, we, as as I announced earlier, BPI will be having their Denver Fall Social. So Sunday edition will be taken over by JoLynn Bailey Page and the folks from the Uni Description 
projects. And they'll be going through how you can become a unique description volunteer, how much fun it actually is. And I can speak from personal experience to be part of one of the campaigns. I believe that the next uh, Descriptathon, it's either seven or eight, my God, can you believe it's been that many? Um, is focusing on parks in the Midwest. So look for that on the 24th. Byron, anything cool and awesome coming up with Next Generation? So we just had a talent night um, a couple of weeks ago. And um, for the next Saturday Night Live event, we're going to be doing uh, like a Halloween-oriented get together talking about what you know what did you dress up for uh at halloween what's your favorite part about halloween what's your favorite candy all of your halloween stories so we're really excited about that one and then in november we're going to be doing a discussion about the audiobooks that we love and where to download them so we're going to be talking about things like um audible uh bard there's an app called Downpour, which uh, Marissa is going to tell us about. Uh, there's stuff that you can get audiobooks from your local library through different apps. And uh, we also want your recommendations on how to obtain audiobooks. So I'm really excited about that one. Nice. I'm definitely going to come to the Halloween one, though. Um, I will keep my Rocky Harum conversation to a minimum. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, without further ado, I would like to welcome Debbie Brown to Sunday Edition for the first time ever. Debbie, welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition. Thank you so much for having me. You are quite welcome. I know that um, there are some folks out there who might want to ask you some questions. So if you'd like to join us, the Zoom information is in a lot of places. But for easy reference, you can hit up the Facebook community page or you can go to the conversation list and uh, the links for today's show are on there. If you do join us, please come in muted and we will get to some questions and answers after a little while. Debbie, um, you know, we're gonna get into the job itself in a little while, but what do you wanna tell the folks about you? Tell, you know, let us know where Debbie's from, a little bit about what your life was like before the American Council of the Blind. I'm a native Washington, D.C resident, born um, and raised here. I've had uh, most of my career in the federal government. I have worked in all parts of the government, I think, from the old U.S. Civil Service Commission, Executive Office of the President, uh, Environmental Protection Agency, the U.S. Health and Human Services. Uh, I think wow. that's about it. Wow, that's a, a pretty, <clears throat> excuse me, that's a pretty storied career. Um, if, if you don't mind me asking, can you tell us what president you worked under? Carter with the national agenda for the 80s and for Reagan when he got into the office and Daddy Bush. And I worked the Glass Ceiling Commission, which was the first were you privileged enough to meet all three of those fine gentlemen? Yes, I mean, they had perks then, you know, one of the things that a lot of people stayed around for were the, were the perks. You always went to the Christmas party and the president would walk through, or 4th of July, you were allowed to sit on the White House and watch the fireworks from the top. Um, there was always a little something that they did one in particular, when, when 
the Ravens came in who were, you know, top-notch uh, glitz and glamour. They had a big 4th of July picnic on the White House lawn. They had the bands and they had food. And, and at Christmas time, they gave each of us a decorated ornament for the tree. So that was wow. like, yeah. How is, got I'm, to, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, did you get the opportunity to meet Nancy? Who saw her? Yeah. She... <laughs> She ran the White House on her own. So you could see her at different, <laughs> she did, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, she, she was the driving force there. So with all that, uh, you know, all that wonderful experience, what, what was the, the funnest, um, most rewarding portion of your career? You know, I'm, I had fun every place I worked, I can say. Um, even at the with working on the executive office of the president, it, it was a good group. In fact, we still have a monthly brunch that we do every month for some of the people that work there. I, I tend to, I like, I, if I'm going to take a job, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to do it to the max. But I can say I've enjoyed most of the jobs I've ever had. Nice, nice. So you said you're a lifelong DC um, gal. What was it like growing up in D.C.? And, and tell us a little about growing up in your family. Growing up in D.C., we, our family uh, started in Georgetown. And back in those days, we went to the elementary school that I went to, Phillips Elementary School. It was always mixed race because a lot of the embassy kids went there. Um, we had them. It was just a good experience in, in Georgetown. Um, people knew everybody. In fact, now you see people that didn't you live in Georgetown? The mayor of DC now, her family lived in Georgetown. So it was a close-knit community. Our church was in Georgetown. So yeah, I and most of my family was there on my mother's side. And then we moved to first and in Northwest, which was a culture shock because it was it wasn't as diverse. Um, so I had to adjust to that. But yeah, growing up, I have a close family. I have two older sisters and I am the baby, but they want to say baby, but we're stair steps. Um, <laughs> I, I have two daughters. My, one, my oldest daughter is a U.S. Park detective and my younger daughter is uh, operating on tech in the, at the University of Miami Hospital. My, oh, granddaughter, yeah, my granddaughter is a student at the University of Miami. This will be her third year. And I'm so proud she's been on the Dean's List ever since she's been there. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm sure that speaks to a lot to you as a parent and a grandparent. So oh, kudos yes. and congratulations on, on uh, having some lovely, lovely females that are uh, really, really stepping out in the world. Good for you. Um, so can I ask, have you ever encountered blindness before coming to the American Council of Blind? Um, when I worked at Civil Service Submission, it was a member, Walt Pintex, that was visually impaired. And he and I were the best of friends because I would guide him to different places and he'd say, well, why am I here? But um, not to work directly 
But no, but I've had association with people that were blind or visually impaired. When you first came across the notice for the job, what'd you think? I, I really didn't. Um, I thought, it, okay, so I've been retired almost. summer meal program in the summer in DC and just take on little things. So I think I did most of my reading before I was interviewed. So I kind of knew what the what the organization was about, but I didn't know a lot about the organization. And I know so, from experience the interview process can be a lot of fun. Um, you've been in the job for a while now. What's what's it like day to day in the national office? Day to day, I, I want to. What I find most rewarding is the the phone calls, yeah. and um, providing information. But I guess the the good feel is when people call and say, "How you doing, Miss Brown?" Or I had somebody call. I just wanted to say hi or thank me so much. That to me is very rewarding. Yeah. There's a so, lot of information requests at the main office, and I know Sharon and Kelly and Jennifer, and you know, even Tony and Eric answer phone calls. Um, and before you came, they were beyond, you know, uh, pushed to the limit as far as mm -hmm. trying to get through their everyday duties and answer everybody's information requests. So you are someone that was very, very welcome in that office. Um, about how many phone calls a day do you think you answer? It may day to day. We've had as many as 30 calls. Oftentimes it's somebody calling for one of the staff members um, and uh, or calling to sometimes they just call the so it varies. Yeah. Some days it's 30, some days it's 20, some days it's 15, some days it's, you know, we I sit there and wait for the phone to ring. So it varies. It depends on what's going on. During the COVID, I got a lot of calls um, for uh, resources and that people were calling agencies and people were answering. And so it depends on the mood of, the, of the, what's going on in the, in the country, I think, a lot of times. Yeah, whenever there's some big legislation or mm -hmm. um, definitely during, you haven't experienced leadership week yet, but uh, <laughs> this coming March and then again in July during convention, the phone is just off the hooks. Uh, so <laughs> you are definitely very welcome in the office. I um, have, yeah. <laughs> have you been able to experience any of the community calls? No, I haven't. Um, not as of yet. I'm, I'm really, even as, as three months, I'm getting my feet wet and I want to be comfortable with everything I do. So I haven't mastered Zoom and the calendar yet. So I've got a lot of things I got to master because when I left the government, there was no Zoom, there was no calendar sharing. And so I haven't participated in the community chat. But I get a lot of information from Sharon because she's always sharing with me what goes on. Let me tell you something. She is an she is a ACB national treasurer. If there's any question you have, Sharon. Pretty much, if she can't answer it right off the top of her head, which hardly ever happens that she can't, she knows where to go for the information. Oh, Sharon yeah. has been <laughs> extremely helpful to me, to BPI, to Sunday Edition. 
I'm curious, and I'm sure folks out there are curious, what's Eric like as a boss? Uh, very smart and uh, um, includes, he likes to include everybody, I think. Um, but he's, he's a nice guy, very informative. And I love the staff meeting because he always starts out with something that everybody has answered even before you know what you've been doing. Um, yeah. So I think he's, he's very, inclu very inclusive. Absolutely. Folks will remember I had the privilege of having a six-month internship, and I, I love those staff meetings. Anything from what's your favorite candy to what was your favorite Halloween costume? Yeah. Um, yeah. Eric always comes with something interesting. And, and when there's something going on in the world, he comes armed with information. So by the time we leave those, or now you guys, leave those meetings, you know, you have at least enough to get started when those phone calls come in. Oh, yeah. How 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 about who's the funniest person in the office? Uh, it's between me and Squatha. <laughs> really? And Sharon, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have our own, yeah. We have our own little circle of, you know, it's it's really fun. They've made this really comfortable and fun for me. Swatha just came to the office and I just love I love both of them, but Swatha reminds me of my granddaughter and she, you know, she's just really getting out of college. So I tell her all the time, I said, well, you'll replace Sydney while I'm here. And uh, she's, she's very giving, but yeah, we, I, I enjoy both of them. I enjoy everybody, but we have our own little niche right there in the office. And for folks who want to kind of paint a picture in their own head, what, what is the setup of the office? Is it all open, like, you know, cubicle or workstations or are there actual office doors? When you come in, give us a little bit of a picture of, of what we would, you know, experience. Depends on which door you come in. I come in at the, maybe the back, but when you come in, there's a little sitting area, a little conference table that we sometimes keep lunch at. Um, and Sharon, Swath and I, stations in um as you come in and then there's clock um then there's a kitchen and then the mail room where sharon does all her work with the braille um then tony has an office kelly has the office who is our go-to person and then uh eric and yeah eric and then eric and then the nice. big conference room what we have Everybody participates in the staff. What's something surprising um, that you've experienced since you started here? Um, nothing has surprised me. I, I, because cool. I, I, I don't know if I would have the patience because I, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an ongoing thing with me, with me in the Zoom. So that wasn't surprising because I, I'm not a tech person at all. Um, my granddaughter, when my granddaughter was here for the summer and I'd say, send me, and she's like, oh my God. And I would have to ask her how to do something on the computer. I'm not that, I'm not that person. So that, you know, they're just a good group of people to work with. Nice. And how about outside of work? What kind of hobbies are you interested in? I am a shopaholic. I, nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I knit and I, um, uh, I'm a people person. So I'm always involved with something in the community. Um, I just did a, 
a speaking engagement with, with the Anacostia branch of the Smithsonian as a part in there for my mom. So I had to do an interview with them um, about, she was the consumer advisor for Friendship House. And through that, she oh. started the first Martin Luther King co-op. So they have a, a part in the Smithsonian for, she was one of the first ones in DC that did that. So I, I try to be involved in a lot of things that's going on in the city. Nice. And how about cooking? Are you, uh, are you a big, you know, Sunday dinner kind of person or just on the fly? What kind of foods do you like? I love cooking and I'm, I don't like a lot of going out because I don't think the food matches my cuisine. So I cook, I bake, I like cooking. My favorite thing is pasta, but I think I'm going to have to let that go because it's staying with me a lot now. Um, <laughs> I know that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I love to cook. And I love people coming to eat. Now, we hear rumors every once in a while that Kelly brings in some fabulous baked goods. Have, uh, have you experienced any of her, um, her yeah, sinful delights? Yes, yes. Um, I think Kelly and I will have a contest. I bought cookies in the last couple of weeks, and I forgot what she had. She has some kind of pastry that she brought in. Cookies, I mean, Kelly, is a, she's a great whatever foodie. She loves foodie. You know, Debbie, you've been going in and out on us. Um, so I missed that last part of what you were saying, something about cookies. I bought it, well, Kelly and I, she likes to bake and I like to bake. So she brings stuff in, I bring stuff in. The last thing I bought was sugar cookies. Um, yeah, so yeah, she Kelly is a foodie. So she loves food and she loves cooking. Mm, well, I heard tell of an apple pie a couple of months ago. So I've been saying to Gabriel, when we're up there for leadership week this, you know, this coming March, we have got to get in that office and, and see what Kelly's bringing in. Oh, now yeah. we gotta, now we gotta tap on Debbie. So uh, that that week in March, I hope you've got some great big goods in the office. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. All right. In a minute or two, I'm going to open it up for some questions. So if you'd like to talk to Debbie, please raise your hand, Byron, and be on the alert. But um, I was wondering if we could play a quick round of Fast Five just to get your opinions on stuff. You you game for that? Yes, whatever it is. All right. Favorite book of all time? I read a lot of Best book I've read recently was the speechwriter for Obama. And it was a young guy that started canvassing when Obama first started running. And I thought that book was just amazing um, how he took you into the speeches. So, and I can't remember the name of it, but he was one of the writers for um, Obama. But I read a lot of political books and I read a lot of Yeah. I'm sorry, you went out again. Books about what? Going on with the administration, the tell-all books, and just um, okay. yeah, because when to be while I was working to be like after I worked there for a while, had been away for a while. A lot of the people I could recognize in political books because they were there. I was there. Nice. 
All right. So, so Debbie, you... Debbie, uh, if it's possible at all, could you um, get a little closer to your microphone or just wiggle the cable that your microphone's plugged into? Because, yeah, it's been going in and out quite a bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I'll try. Yeah, hopefully that's better. All right, let's do a sound check again, Deb. <coughs> that better? Well, let's I let's think, find out. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So I'll ask question number two: Your dream vacation? My dream vacation would be in Miami with my granddaughter and my daughter. Just loves the beach. I am a sun worshiper. Nice. We'll stop by Gabriel and I's for our house for a barbecue All right. <laughs> or some or some homemade Italian pasta. All right. <laughs> Question number three. If you could hold any political office, which office would it be and what would you want to accomplish? I would like to be the mayor of DC because I don't think anyone has carried out that office the way it should be where you include the whole city and not just part of it that's a that that's a that's a wish that i had but i wouldn't pursue it if folks in your outside life ask you about your your job at the american council of the blind what are the first two things you tell them i tell them it's fun and i'm enjoying it um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's pretty much, uh, and, and, and I share some of the phone calls I get. Some of the are really deep. And last question, of all your years in government service, what was the most surprising or most life-changing thing that you experienced? I think when I was with the executive, I don't, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, but it wasn't diverse at all. And one of the things that I, I was in charge of recruiting, but they had always had a summer program that wasn't diverse at all. And I called colleges and made arrangement for housing for the students because then they said, well, we can't pay. And I called the parents. I said, this is gonna look so good on their resumes, executive officer, the president. And that was to me the best feeling because we had every nationality for that whole summer. Wow. Is there anyone that ever came? I, I know I said five, but it, you know, you're telling this and I'm thinking to myself, is there anyone that came through that later on you re ran into them again and you're like, wow, look at what life, you know, look at what you've accomplished. Look at where you are now. Oh yeah. All the, every intern that I've ever had still contacts with, keeps in contact with me. Um, one, uh, when I just talked to uh, Vicki Delacour, she married, I don't know if you're all familiar with the group Della Soul, she married Kev to Kevin Delacour. And nice. um, yeah, and um, yeah, I, I, a lot of my interns, I mean, they've gone on to do great things and um, they don't forget. And they always say, you, you were just my rock because I could look at it from the aspect of the parents not being there sometimes they needed a little grounding and yeah I always kept involved with the interns. Wow you seem you seem like you're the you know the auntie Deb to everybody that might have come through. Right and when my both of my girls were in the military I was always going on flights 
<laughs> All right, Byron, let's do a hand check. Do we have anybody who wants to talk to Debbie? All right, let's see if we have any hands. Um, I don't see any at the moment, but now would be that time for you guys to get those hands up and get your questions ready. How about you, Byron? Anything you want to ask Miss Debbie? Uh, oh gosh. Okay. Um, so I know that, uh, you know, I've, I've been to DC for various, um, you know, like, uh, um, legislation things, you know, ACB has gone to, to DC to speak with our representatives and that place is like a labyrinth. Um, as a person who is blind, ha have you had difficulty getting around, uh, all the huge buildings there and learning all your routes. And, and what would you say to somebody who is going to be new to DC that needs to figure out how to get to all these buildings and stuff? <laughs> to be sighted. Oh, okay. Well, what would you Sorry. say to somebody who's blind? That's... Hey, look, I wasn't going to say it. I was going to wait, <laughs> but, but I, I can feel where you're coming from. Um, be, because I grew up, a lot of the monuments were, were were like every weekend for us. We'd walk down to the monument and walk up the stairs, which was, you know, the Capitol or whatever. But I tell anybody, the, the metro system in, in D.C. is really good. There's not too many places where you can't catch the metro to. So it's a, it's an easy thing to get around in D.C. And then they have a lot of tour guides. One of the things I did, too, I was a volunteer tour guide for at the Kennedy Center. Um, mm. so, so it's a lot of things. I mean, even not cited, um, it's, I tell you what, D.C. will either make you a, a wonderful remembrance of D.C. or you'll hate it. But it's, it's, it's a helpful city if you do your homework before you get here. Yeah, that place has a lot of a lot of stairs, a lot of hills. Yeah. Uh it yeah. sprawls out. So it you know, when you go to DC, you'll definitely get yourself a workout. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the monuments. You you guys you're also lucky enough to be close enough to go to the Smithsonian at a you know, at, at will. Um, what parts of the Smithsonian do you enjoy? Well, um the African Museum is it I've been there twice. This is just a but at the Smithsonian, my grandmother worked for the rings. Must have been Marion Ring, and there's a ring at the uh, Smithsonian for them um, that they paid money to have a wing made for them. So I kind of, when I worked at Energy, it was right across the street from the Smithsonian. So that's always been an interest of mine, the Smithsonian. The monument, just the glamour of walking up those stairs. I can't imagine doing that now. But that was a challenge for us on the weekend yeah. to see how, how we could get up the stairs. <laughs> you know, the last time the last time I was in D.C. was right after the unveiling of Michelle Obama's portrait, maybe two or three months after it had been unveiled. And there was still like a half hour line, you know, and they, they would allow four or five people to go in, you know, to go past at a time. So and it was still like a half hour wait. But it was it was amazing. We had um. A, you know, a tour guide that was describing everything. And then a part of the tour <clears throat> was, was a touch, you know, was a tactile tour um, mm. in that, in that same, I forget, I think it's the hall of portraits. Um, but whatever, you know, in that same building, they had a tactile tour too. And, and um, 
I also did one at the uh, the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History, which was amazing, mm. amazing. I touched fossils and and um, moon rocks and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, which was right. great. Yeah. Outside of DC, what um you know are have you experienced some of the horse farms or have you what what things outside of DC do you like? I know every mall that's in this area. Um, I'm not an outdoorsy person. I don't like <laughs> bugs, so um, yeah, I yeah I I go to restaurants that are new that I'll take the plunge and, and go. But DC is is you know you don't consider just DC because Maryland, Virginia, we're all so close. So it's just you know I ride around the Beltway. And there's a lot of good malls. So when you hit the mall, what's your go-to? Do you hit the shoes first? Are you an accessories gal? What's um? What do you hit first when you go to the mall? When I hit first, and and back to Sydney. Sydney was shopping with me when she was three years old. He was my shopping buddy. So we'd hit Nordstrom, then we'd hit Macy's, and if we had Tyson's, Bloomingdale, and she would go back and when she got to grade school, she's like, oh, that's where I shop. And I was like, really? Um, but I, I'm all around. I don't need, ever again need any shoes and clothes either. Um, <laughs> and with the COVID, it didn't stop me. So I do a lot of online shopping too. But I love shopping. Nice. Are you um Are you a bargain hunter? Will you watch and, and wait to see if something that you like goes on sale? Or do you have to have it once you see it? Oh, no. That's the only way to shop on sale. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I pride myself on that. Yes, indeed. And it's like when the Ugg boots came out, people said, I said, you need to wait for them to go on sale. I Everything has to be on sale. I really, really want it. But most time, you know, I'll sell. I'm a sale girl. All right, Byron, let's take another look and see if we have any um, any hands for Debbie. I am not seeing any hands. I'll, I'll ask you a question, though. Um, if somebody was coming to DC and was looking for a great place to eat out, um, what what do you think is maybe the best restaurant in DC? Depends on what kind um, me personally, they've read they've redone the the wharf. So a lot of seafood restaurants are down there. Um, but uh, now my sisters could be um but it depends on what kind of food you want now up in georgetown they have a they have a variety of restaurants that are usually pretty good but depends i i right now i couldn't say well you need to how about the <clears throat> the best pizza in dc there is no best pizza in dc i've spent every summer in New York with my dad. The best pizzas in New York. So none of the pizzas that I've ever had here touched New York pizza. Ain't that the truth. When mm. I came down to Miami, there's a um there's a pizza slash bagel shop that literally imports New York water uh once or twice a week. And so the Ugh. crust and all the bagels are made with New York water. And it is the only pizza outside of New York that that I could put like this, you know, Corona stamp of approval on. Uh, okay. Yeah. 
We do. We do have one hand. Um, they're labeled as just Zoom user. <laughs> so I asked you to unmute. Go ahead and unmute and feel free to ask your question. Hi, this is DJ in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, Debbie, and uh, thank you guys for taking my call. First time listening to this call on Sunday edition. I'm from right up the road, I-95 for you, from Philly originally, and you're there in the DMV. I'm wondering, now we have uh, SEPTA up in Philadelphia, here in Jacksonville, we have JTA. What is the transportation like in the DMV, especially riding the Metro? And thanks for taking my call. Uh, the Metro has been the, the source of travel for everybody now, or Uber. Um, but yeah, the, it's not, our Metro system is not closed. New York system never closes. But DC, it's, 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 it's pretty good to get around in the city. And even outside of the city, you know, Maryland. Yeah, I was going to say there's a lot of extensions that go off into Northern Virginia uh -huh. or Maryland. Yeah. Looks like. Any uh, other hands, Byron? Yep. Looks like Mary's got a question. Mary, feel free to unmute and ask your question. Okay. Thank you, Byron. Hi. Thank you. Hi, Debbie. Nice, nice to hear. Um, hear about you on this program today. And I apologize if you've already answered this question. I'm an ACB member from from Massachusetts. I was wondering if. Hello. I was wondering if, since beginning to work at ACB office, if I didn't know if you'd had any experience in working or interacting with people with vision loss before, but if you hadn't, has, have there been any surprises for you that you've learned in just your daily interactions with coworkers and with people on the phone? Um, Mary, I'm a people person. And I, I don't see any difference. I'm sorry. Um, even with the phone calls, they're just people. And, and I interact well with people. So no, there were no surprises. I have worked among people that were visually impaired. So, but not the extent where I saw a big difference. No. Okay. Well, that's great. Well, welcome to ACB. Thank you. And thank you, Mary. Uh, we have Barbie with a question. Hi, Barbie. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Barbie. Uh, I'm in your front yard and your backyard because I live in Maryland. So everything that you was talking about, D.C., I know about. I have lots of family there. But there's oh, good. one thing I have not, and I'm a shopaholic like you, so we could really do some major shopping. Yes, yes. <laughs> But one thing I have not experienced, and people keep asking me to, is mumbo sauce. I'm like, I don't get it. That's why. Well, <laughs> well, if you're from, if you, if you, I'm born and raised in DC. Mumbo sauce back then and now totally different. And uh, they're cut. They come out with so the mumbo sauce in some of the restaurants that carry it is like sweet, but mumbo sauce back in the day wasn't sweet. So it's not a true, for me, it's not a true mumbo sauce because it's not like it was years and years ago. Oh, okay. Now, do you have a good mumbo sauce recipe that you can share? 
No, that's something that I don't, that's what the problem is. People think they can make it and they were selling it. And I was like, no, this is not the mumble sauce. But I guess if you like it, it's good, but it's not the mumble sauce of years ago. It's like right, steak well. and cheese, like the steak and cheese here. Once those old restaurants left, nah, there's no nobody can touch it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when you go to Philly, it's the same thing trying to get a Philly cheesesteak. You know, there's a couple of places that are old style, but, you know, the steak and uh, the uh, cheesesteaks of now are not what I remember when I was a kid. I mean, you needed two hands just to hold it closed and there was meat flying all over the table. Yeah. <laughs> all of that, yeah. Yeah, thank you so much, Mary. Byron, do we have anyone else? I don't see any other hands. Debbie, so yes. you've been you've been in the office for a while. Um, is there anything about the imperatives, the advocacy, and stuff like that you want to jump onto? You know, is anything being in government for so long? I'm sure when you know when some of this passes uh, through a phone call or you know across the email or your desk, I'm sure that some of it must you know get those juices flowing. Are there any things that the American Council of the Blind is working on that really gets you excited? Well, I, I listened to Swatha and Fox, um, who really are the, the ones that do the advocacy. So um, they handle most of that, and I will refer. But when I get calls that I have experienced um, in my lifetime, like to Social Security and, and benefits, then I can answer it without being, you know, an expert in it. But um, my age group, I, I have a lot of experience in that. So, and people are, are you know, appreciative. Like um, I had one call that said, well, I don't know about social security. And I asked the person why, and we went through different scenarios, what they needed to do. So there are things I can share that I've lived, but the advocacy is a clock and swatha area. You know, I think that there's still a, a you know, a significant amount of people that are afraid to call the national office because they don't, you know, they don't want to bother folks oh. while they're working and they think that maybe their problem or their question isn't important enough to actually call the national office. What, um, what message do you want to give those folks? Always feel free to call. Um, we have calls that may not even need a particular question. Talk about their experiences and and what they're going through and just, you know, to hear a voice on the phone, well, what do you do? I mean, what do you all do? And then you have to explain what the council is about, but feel free to call. I love getting calls and everybody offers does that. I guess they're relieved that I take most of them, but yeah, but they should feel free to call. Nice. There's a wealth of knowledge in that in, in our office. And, you know, you, you answer a lot of resource questions. Um, do you find yourself going to the ACB website to pull up resources? No, we have a listing and we have like several listings where, where the resources state by state. And if I'm talking and since Sharon is on the other side, she's just a wealth of knowledge too. She'll say, oh, okay, then tell them this or whatever. So we have the tools that we can um so we yeah we have 
what's the weirdest or most interesting call you've taken so far? Oh, wow, that comes in mind. I'm not going to call names, but she called and she was so upset. And I was like, well, what is the problem? And she told me about her experiences with Metro and how, you know, and I was like, well, did you call me? Did you contact Metro? And I guess I need to do that. So sometimes, and, and I had never talked to this person before, but Sharon and Swatha had. So when I got off the phone, I was like, oh my God, they were in the other side of the room just falling out laughing because they had it before. It had nothing to do with our office at all. She just wanted to vent. Yeah. <clears throat> well, thank you for taking that on. I definitely, um, I definitely have had a few of those calls myself. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you just have to say, oh, okay. And, and let them go on. And, and, and if they stop and say, well, what do you think? And it's like, oh, okay. Well, maybe you need to, you know, okay, I'm thinking about, you know, so yeah, we get interesting calls. Are you um, thinking about coming out to Omaha to visit some of us in person next year for our national conference and convention? Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, as, a, <laughs> as a recruiter. Cross bridges. <laughs> yeah. As a recruiter, I traveled all over the country when I was recruiting for EPA. And, and as my sisters get mad, you don't want to go. I've had my share of air. I was living out of the suitcase and, and, and on airplanes. So, no, it's up to Eric. You know, I know this isn't necessarily your purveyance, but, um, you know, we have a lot of folks who are out there looking for work. And, you know, a lot of folks, I know my grandparents always told me, you know, get a job with the government and, you know, benefits, you know, job security, et cetera, et cetera. Any, any tips or, or um, you know, advice you'd give to folks that may be looking at IRS or Social Security or Treasury or, you know, any area of government, any you know, any advice you give to somebody who is looking and interviewing? Yes, be persistent. And that USA Jobs is one of the vehicles they use for the um, openings in the federal government. Know your timing. Like now, the government is pretty much shut down because the new administration. So it'll be next year sometime after after the first, like after January They'll, they'll, they'll have a listing of more vacancies that are available. But there's going to be a big push for the federal government because they've lost so many people, but retirement is not coming back after the COVID. So, but I think it's a, it's a good place to work. It's a, you may not make the money that you would make in private sector, but it's security. You're actually doing something for the good of the public. Um, I have, I, my years in the government, I have been down parts too, but I made it my own. And I don't get comfortable because this is a GS system. Come in as a GS4, GS whatever, whatever. Um, and some people get complacent. They go, hey, that great forever. I came in, and this is not a bragging point, but I came in as a two. When I left the government, I was a GS14. And it meant nice. going from agency to agencies, but taking on new tasks, but it was no task that I didn't complete. Now, if only I could be as good at my tests and my uh, background that I could do with Zoom. If I could master the Zoom, I'd be okay. <laughs> well, practice <laughs> makes perfect. And I, I promise know, with I a know. little bit, 
you'll feel, you know, there's so every single person listening to this right now felt the way you felt the first couple of times that they use Zoom. And, and now we're all masters, two conventions in, uh, 5,000 plus community calls. We're, we're all Zoom masters. Um, yeah, I've got no, two more questions. Oh, that, that's what that's what Callie keeps telling me. She's so patient with me that I'll be like, oh, my goodness. But it gets better. It gets better. I'm not giving absolutely. up. Absolutely. We love Kelly, by the way. I have two more questions for you before I let you go, but I'm going to ask Byron one last time to do a hand check for our listeners. All right. And uh, as of right now, I don't see hands, but uh, now is your chance to get in that last minute question. All right. So... All, all your life experience, do you have a life motto that you want to share with our listeners? Um, think to myself, the look in that mirror, and if I feel good at the end of the day or the beginning of the, beginning of the day, that I can look in that mirror and say, wow, get them dead, then that, that's, that's being yourself, being happy, don't let things get you down take each day as it comes nice very very nice go get them dub is exactly right um and last just tell the folks what you want them to know about deb what you want them to know about what they're getting when they call and reach you on the phone and uh thank you so much for coming on sunday edition well, thanks for having me. And feel free to call if you just want to talk, if you want to refer somebody to our office um, for services or may have questions, feel free to call our office. All right. Well, we'll do one last hand check, Byron. I'm not seeing any. Could you give the uh, phone number for the office for those who might be listening that might not have that oh, number? Good, good, good deal, Byron. That that's a good one, Byron, but I don't even have it in front of me. Um, <laughs> no one starts with 202. <laughs> Is that you a trick? What? Byron, was that a trick question? No, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm looking it up right now, though, just to see if I can find it. So, so am I. Let's see who gets it first. <laughs> Uh, looks like I looks like you. I found it. You tell me if this is correct, though. Um, so it looks like there's a number starts with two o two. It's uh, area code two zero two four six seven five zero eight one, and they it looks like they also have an eight hundred number of one eight hundred four two four eight six six six. That sounds right. All but right. I, I... <laughs> Thank you, Google. Well, but when in doubt, just just look up. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, yeah. I well, just Debbie, I, I, I just searched for ACB National Office phone number and, and it came right up. So there you go. I am sure I will be speaking to you soon on various matters. But thank you so much for taking this time to let our American Council of Blind members get to know you a little bit. Um, any last words? No, I, I thank you for having me and thank you for allowing me to talk about me. <laughs> no, we'd love to hear that. I hope you come back soon. Byron, I will be right back after this quick message with Gabriel and Guillermo, the uh, double G's. <laughs> 
The American Council of the Blind plays an important role in the daily lives of blind and visually impaired individuals all over the country. Whether it's making products and services more accessible for the blind, advocating for appropriate education for blind students, issuing scholarships to deserving college students, fighting for accessible currency, along with a host of other issues, it takes contributions from all of us. You can help by joining the Monthly Monetary Support Program, MMS. It's a great opportunity for members and friends to make sure these efforts continue. What ACB does enhances all of our lives. For more information, go to our website, acb.org, click on the donations link, go to the MMS tab, and enter. Or call 612-332-3242. And we're back. It's Sunday edition with Anthony Corona. And um, that was a great conversation with our newest staff member, Debbie Brown, Administrative Assistant in the Alexandria office. Once again, thank you so much for sharing some, uh, some of your life with us. And now I am very happy to welcome Mr. Guillermo Robles and Mr. Gabriel Lopez Cafati to help us uh, celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month. Hey, double G's. Hello. Uh, looking me? for one more. Yeah, no, I got Gabe. Gamble, okay. <clears throat> All right. I oh, just, wait. Um, am oh, I unmuted now? Okay. Hello, ACB. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys have been around ACB for uh, for a while. You've uh, definitely recognizable. Um, I posed a question at the top of the show, and I don't know if either one of you might know the answer, but I was curious. Hispanic Heritage Month runs from September 15th through October 15th. I have an idea that it might have something to do with Independence Day, but um, any idea why it's, um, uh, you know, middle of the month to middle of the month rather than, you know, one or the other? Sure. It has to do with the Independence Day of five countries uh, in Latin America. And let me see if I can get them all right. If not, I know Gabriel will jump in. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is uh, Guatemala, uh, El Salvador, Nicaragua, Honduras, Costa Rica, and Guatemala. Yep, you got them. <laughs> okay, good. Yep, you got them right. <laughs> and and, and I that date out- is September 15th. Um, hence, um, you know, the, um, the, uh, September 15th through October 15th. Yeah. And if anybody, you know, wants to celebrate next year, September 15th also happens to be my birthday. So it's definitely fun in the, uh, Lopez Cavati Corona household. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So, um, why don't we start with you guys telling us where you're from? Um, originally, and what has what Hispanic Heritage Month means to you, and and how you celebrate here in the states, and we'll go backwards. Um, Guillermo. So Hispanic Heritage Month, um, actually, just to back up a little bit, um, my family is from uh, Central America, um, uh, El Salvador and uh, Nicaragua to be exact. My grandfather was, uh, was Nicaraguan. Um, but uh, much of my family that I grew up with, uh, you know, was from El Salvador. Um, Hispanic Heritage Month really um, 
we never really celebrated um, because we were, we are uh, so Americanized. Uh, my grandparents um, came to this country uh, in the 1950s, uh, mid 1950s um, for a better education. Uh, my grandparents were, were, were pretty young um, my grandfather was studying to be a coroner and my grandmother, um, you know, she was just um, wanting to go on to, to get an education. Uh, so she was here like pretty much when she was 16 or 17. So for us, you know, this was a, a, a time that wasn't really celebrated and it wasn't until later on in life that um, you know, that there was this whole awareness of, um, you know, Hispanic heritage. Um, but I think it is, it is important because there are so many contributions that have been made um, by Hispanics um, throughout the years. So I think it's good to, to be able to focus on the positive contributions that have been made. Wait, you're telling us it's not just Ricky Ricardo, the Estevez, Estebans, and um, and J Lo. <laughs> no, there's there's more to the there's more to the month than that. So definitely. <laughs> All right, Gabriel, it's your turn. <laughs> well, I uh, was born and raised in Honduras in Central America, in the heart of America, because Honduras is the central part of Central America. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I lived uh, basically at this point half my life over there. And um, growing up over there, I think uh, besides the fact that we celebrated Independence Day, Hispanic heritage didn't have much resonance because uh, we were living, <laughs> you know, Hispanic heritage every day. But when I moved to the States in 2005, this is when I started realizing and uh, understanding the impact of Hispanic heritage in the United States. And uh, just understanding how, how, how to, you know, I think it's, 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 it's a very interesting dynamic uh, I believe that m many cultures do this, but uh, I'll speak for my own. Uh, I think Hispanics in, in the U.S. have been able to, like Guillermo said, acclimate uh, to the American way, um, but still uh, conserving a lot of the traditions, the foods, the music, the culture. And, and not only that, but we have, contributed that to you know we're not we're not selfish <laughs> we like to share so we have contributed that as part of of the american society um hence what i've always said to people you know you come into a hispanic home it is offensive if you do not uh have at least a cup of coffee and then bread and then refried beans we and will then, feed you to death yes <laughs> yes and just when you think you're about to take your last forkful 
surprise, surprise, you put the fork down to the plate and there's a whole next mountain of food. <laughs> and drinks. And drink, absolutely. Absolutely, yes. I'm curious, is Independence Day celebrated kind of the same way we celebrate Fourth of July here? No. <laughs> mm. I don't know. I think El Salvador does the same, Guillermo, in Honduras. Uh, the big thing about Independence Day is uh, it's like marches, like like the school bands march with the i always forget this name in english the girls who spin around those twirlers <laughs> okay that <laughs> um and and the school bands marching it's it's some sort of like almost like it has like a military undertone. yeah it's more military and more about marches and it's yeah. it, it's 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 actually bigger i think uh in in spirit uh, yeah it's not to so say too. that we we don't have spirit here because we do but it's a lot more big it's it's a lot more bigger and it's a lot more uh animated and loud and and just there's so much pride um that you see on display yeah there's actually competitions you know people bet on going to see which school you know schools are you know some schools are known for having an amazing band and um and you know either either you're marching or you're part of the you're you're part of the onlookers you're 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 on the sides of the streets on the sidewalks watching the whole procession because they start off at a particular place which is symbolic maybe um a famous avenue and then march into at least in for example in in Tegucigalpa in Honduras it is they march from a very very well-known avenue uh up until they get to the soccer stadium and then you know then they 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 go around the the soccer stadium and then they go out and then that's that's it and um and it's months and months of preparation prior oh, yeah. to yeah prior to marching well, speaking of football, and I'm going to digress for a moment, um, do either of you um, avidly watch and root for any soccer teams? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big fan of no. sports, but traditionally, you know, I grew up uh, kind of immersed in the whole soccer experience. So I kind of like it for the festivity part of it it's like i always tell you anthony you know i know you're a big baseball fan and everything i've always told you that i would go to base to a baseball game just for the music and the beer and the hot dogs <laughs> yeah ice cold beer absolutely so i was trying so to remember just sort of going back in my own childhood um no, sports was not a big part of the family. Um, so to us, that was never, you know, I, I, I can remember my my um, my great uncles getting together and watching. But I mean, even them, it wasn't so much a, a big part of the family. Um, I know my grandmother, as Americanized as she became, um, loved her basketball. <laughs> so, nice. I mean, she was a Lakers fan through and through. <laughs> wow. No, my family, the, the men in my family, definitely. Oh, my God. 
they were passionate and they still are passionate soccer fans um and and you know i i i adopted that not not so much the passion for the sport but the passion for certain teams um don't ask me why uh but i identified um with uh barcelona with the club i guess it was because i like the city so much <laughs> and i i fell in love with the city so i fell in love with everything that had to do with barcelona but even at a younger age i fell in love with um and 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 this is my my team when it comes to national football believe it or not this has nothing to do with hispanic heritage but i root for the netherlands for the um orange <laughs> clockwork team and i think i do that because Obviously, not being such a big fan of sports, um, I did have vision when when I was growing up. Um, so I did watch the games because they were watching them at the house. It was a whole big celebration with food and drinks and people coming over to watch a game, um, especially for the World Cup. So when I when I watch the team, the Netherlands, they you know they're called clockwork because they they do work like a clockwork, and I think that's what fascinated me. The uh, you know being a nerd, a geek, <laughs> it, it fascinated to me to see how, like, how synchronized they were. But I'm getting off topic here. Basically, yes, I do. I do enjoy soccer and soccer celebration, but <laughs> but I don't root for any Hispanic teams, unfortunately. <laughs> well, before I go on to my next topic of conversation, I want to remind folks that Gabriel published a great blog um, celebrating Independence Day and Hispanic heritage. You can find that at acbvoices.org. That's acbvoices.org. And um, there's a little bit of history, definitely a fair amount of humor. And um, it is a very well-written um, perspective on Hispanic heritage and Independence Day. I'm curious. Uh, I hope others out there are curious as well. I grew up in Staten Island, New York, as most folks know from listening to Sunday Edition. And uh, one of the great things about um, Staten Island growing up there was we um, we got to party a lot in high school. And it was always looking forward to the Sweet Sixteens, the bar and bat mitzvahs, and the quinceaneras. Um, so my question to, to you guys is what things, you know, what pieces of Hispanic culture have made their way, you know, here that maybe folks might not immediately recognize as coming from Hispanic heritage. I mean, quinceaneras, you, you know, you hear the word, you know, where it comes from, but you know, once you're at a big party, it doesn't really matter what country <laughs> the party actually originated in. Um, so guys. Ooh, that's a really good question. It is. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm. I'm still thinking. I, yeah, me still. too. <laughs> we may have to come back to that because uh, yeah. I, I, you know, um, as I say, being assimilated here, it's to me all of this seemed seemed so normal. Um. Yeah, that's. But I all think. Right. I think well, you're you're you you want us to to talk a little bit about you know traditions like quinceañera or some other traditions like. Well, you know what? There's some folks out there who probably don't know what a quinceañera is. Um, so you could definitely tell them what that is, and 
And some of the things that you recognize in American culture that that is of Hispanic um, influence. So I, I really have experienced um, quinceañeras from a Mexican uh, standpoint. Uh, and that's another thing that, that we can certainly have discussions about is, is, is some of the, the, the misnomers. But uh, the quinceañera is basically a coming of age or a sweet 16, um, you know, for, for the young woman. And um, in the way it usually goes is that there is usually a Catholic mass uh, that is had um, and there, there will be a ceremony and then um, there are usually what are called padrinos, uh, godparents, um, who will contribute certain things, um, and they will help in essence to put the, uh, the whole event together. So once the mass is had, then the celebration or the festivities take place. Um, and the, the party time with all of the pomp and circumstances, there is usually a court of honor that she will have. Um, mm-hmm. and there is, um, a traditional waltz that is danced. Um, and usually the padrinos will, will get, uh, the chance to dance with her and the parents and, uh, so on and so forth. It can be a very modest thing but i've also seen them extremely <laughs> extremely elaborate and oh my and god the, yeah the, the, the most expensive one that i've gone to was about fifty thousand dollars so it was almost as expensive as putting on a, a big wedding yes um, <laughs> yes in honduras they they make them you know, depending you know on 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 the um financial capabilities and like Guillermo said you know contributions from godfathers uh but there would there will be a lot uh starting with the dress because you know it's not just any dress that you would buy at a store it's actually a dress that you have custom made which typically is any shade of pink and it's almost it almost looks like a like a wedding gown yes and um and then the the court of honor is 14 14 um, and then plus girls, the plus the, the, the yeah plus the gentlemen partners and then um they all dance the, the girls are all dressed the same the guys are also dressed uh similarly and they all dance uh like Guillermo said the waltz and uh then you know the quinceañera will dance with the father and the godfather but there's also uh, uh a gentleman a guy from the group that the quinceañera picked who may or may not be her boyfriend, may be someone she likes, may be a member of the family, uh, but it's uh, called a chambelan. So the chambelan is actually the, the guy who dances with the quinceañera, besides the godfather and the father. Right. Wow. I, say that word again, chambelan. Chambelan. Chambalan. I guess I was the American version of a Chambalan twice. At the Sweet 16, um, there's the same thing. A girl will pick the guy that she wants to stand up there yeah. while she blows out the candles and then have the big, the first, the big first dance with. And I was picked twice. 
<laughs> well, also at the top of the show, I'm I'm sliding into another topic. Um, I I read the beginning of a message from Cheryl Cummings, who is the new chair of the MCAC committee. Right. Um, and um, I was told to ask you and Gabriel to give us some more information about the book that you guys are reading and the calls that are now being held um, under the purveyance of the new uh, MCAC subcommittee. So sure. go ahead, Gabriel. Uh, Caramel, go first, and then Gabriel, pick up the rear. Sure. Um, so we have been holding some focus calls um, for the last uh, few months now. Uh, they have been in Spanish only. Uh, at the top of the hour, it was mentioned that it was bilingual, um, but it is a Spanish-only call geared toward um, people who whose language is uh, primarily Spanish, and um, they it's, they've been very instrumental because you know in these calls people have expressed um, you know some some things that they would like to see happen uh, in the organization. And one of them is, is Spanish content uh, being provided um, throughout. And we were able to come up with the monumental, for us, resolution that, that addresses um, some of these issues. Um, as part of MCAC and um, chairing the uh, Spanish-speaking subcommittee, um, there is going to be a focus call, uh, which will be bilingual, um, in which we will discuss a book um, written by Justice Sonia Sotomayor called My Beloved World. And it is basically her memoir in which she speaks about growing up in the Bronx and um, uh, her life leading up to you know, becoming a, a justice of the Supreme Court. Um, so it's it's an awesome, it sounds like a really awesome book. I'm actually going to start reading it. Um, there is going to be English and Spanish translation. Nice. Now, you know, Gabriel and I are, are much more familiar as, as most folks who listen to Sunday edition know. Um, and I know that uh, Gabriel has been working behind the scenes for a long time to have a little bit more um, Latino slash Hispanic representation in ACB. Um, do you want to speak a little about that, Gabriel? And then Guillermo, I'm going to ask you what you've been doing behind the scenes. Sure. Yeah, well, um, behind the scenes, I've been uh, trying to just talk to people and uh, invite them. And um, I've had conversations with uh, Dan Spoon for a couple of years now of talking about what we can do and how we can target. Of course, uh, communication is key. Um, it is it is a huge undertaking, but you know we're uh, we're we're talking about uh, like Guillermo said, uh, providing more content in Spanish. Um, and also, I, I I've always uh, behind the scene. I've always uh, tried to make it clear that it's not just about language it's also about a um, tailored messaging because uh there there is there is something to say about you know uh cultural sensitivity when you when you're trying to put out a messaging some things may not 
come across the same in Spanish than they do in English. And culturally, Hispanic people probably don't, especially if people don't have a mastery of the English language, uh, there, there is a way in which you can, um, you should uh, reach out to people to make them feel unfolded rather than invited as guests. And that has been my main focus yeah. with behind the scenes has been to to make um, to, to make sure that the efforts that ACB does to attract and retain people of Hispanic origin or people who are not so comfortable with the English language are are brought into the organization but are not felt as outsiders, but you know, on the contrary, who who feel ownership of the organization. So so that's that's a little bit probably more elaborate, but I think it's gonna prove very, very effective once we we experience the uh, growth in members and um, the retention of those members and the involvement of those members because I'm sure that uh, they will have something to contribute. Some of the things that we've been discussing and the focus calls that Guillermo uh, mentioned is the um, trying to start putting some Spanish content on ACB media. So start with a program so we can, you know, we can start off with actually bringing those people into uh, in immediately, you know, hitting the ground, just getting them active, actively participating by say hosting a show in Spanish. So there's a lot of things that we could do. It's just about, you know, the messaging and, and also the um, incorporation of the diversity piece that uh, the current board of directors is hardly, hardly underlining in ACB. And, and I think that's, that plays a key role in, in bringing over the Hispanic community. And I think that's why these calls are extremely important uh, because while we... Um, start developing this this subcommittee. I, I think it's important that we keep the um, the people that are uh, uh, sp uh, fluent in Spanish, um, native Spanish speakers, uh, in the loop. Um, it, we're kind of using them as a core to help us guide us, and in, in, you know the the best way to to move forward. Um, I feel like this is a place where they have really tried, you know, to express what it is that they want uh, as far as uh, content is concerned. Um, and I think it's been working. You know, I try in, in everything that I do to take a one-on-one -on -one approach and, and just um, try to bring things uh, in a centric uh, kind of way. Um, so it's, it's definitely new territory that we're, we're charting here. So I'm not afraid to kind of, you know, point at the big pink elephant in the middle of the room and, and, you know, say, everybody, you don't see that. Um, <laughs> so my next question is one of those pink elephant questions. You know, there is a, a feeling out there for some folks that ACB is by reputation kind of that, you know, that group of older white folks, um, you know, so what's internally, you know, are you guys thinking to make that, that feeling of enfolding, you know, real reality 
and and push that that stigmata of you know it's just the old white people out you know and and make that a past kind of feeling well the first thing uh, obviously is um i tend to have a very very coactive approach to everything and and i tell you know i i i learned uh, and i keep learning <laughs> from um my uh my coach for those of you who know i'm i'm in the process of certification for my life coaching um so so i learned from from my coach <laughs> that uh you you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution so by staying away from acb you're not being part of the solution. You're being part of the problem. So it's very easy to point fingers and say, oh, ACP is the older white people organization. Well, come on in and make a difference. Run for a board seat. Uh, you know, host a, a community call, do something. Uh, but don't nag and complain and stay, you know, and say that you're going to stay outside because you're, uh, you're not, you know, because you're not majority. I think every beginning is difficult. Every change takes its its time. Another great piece of advice that I always share with people that I get from that I got from my coach is, you know, change is uncomfortable. There's many conversations that are uncomfortable, but if there's no discomfort, there's no growth. So obviously there's gonna be yeah. yeah. So obviously there's gonna be discomfort at the beginning. Uh, you're gonna feel lost. I myself felt lost, intimidated. Um, you can ask people in the Florida Council of the Blind. You can ask Paul Edwards, Sheila Young, Jim Crott, Mikey Weissman. You can ask all of them. What What did I say uh, in the first the first when I was the first year when I was appointed as the board of uh, board rep for the Miami Beach chapter to the Florida Council of the Blind? What did I say? I gave my introduction and then I said nothing nothing I was so intimidated <laughs> but that didn't stop me from going from attending from being present and 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 then slowly but surely I started you know I started gaining more of a voice yeah FCB to the point and, that now and I, I see this know, happens committees and you know yeah yeah, yeah go ahead I see this happens uh, happen a lot, you know, even on the uh, affiliate and chapter levels, um, because I have run into so many people uh, just here in Los Angeles alone that have been Spanish speakers and have come to an event or two and just felt out of place. So I I think that the dialogues that we're going to start having um, should address some of the, those um, elephants in the room and um, just really figuring out a way um, to incorporate and to make people feel welcome. Um, even if it is, you know, having, you know, something that's, that's directly um, geared, geared toward them. And uh, I do agree with that philosophy of, you know, it be, being a part of the solution and, you know, stepping up to to make things work for you personally, uh, not only personally, but for the community at large. 
So I, I do like that a lot. I have a few more questions, but I want to alert Byron in a couple of minutes. We'll start looking for hands. And if you're out there listening and you want to speak to these fine gentlemen, you can find the link to Sunday edition on the Facebook community group or on the ACB conversation list. Um, my next question is a two-part question, and it's about content and, and um, you know, um, Spanish translations, et cetera. Um, Cindy and, and the fine ladies of the community are very fond of, of telling us that any idea community-wise that we come up with, we can make happen on a community call. But I think a lot of folks are afraid to put themselves out there as like the primary content provider, host, or, you know, um, subject matter expert. So if folks want to start bringing some, some Spanish speaking content or some, you know, Latin heritage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if folks can, can um, offer themselves up for translation so that some of the ACB communications can be translated, who do they contact? And are you guys, and is the, com the subcommittee willing to partner with folks if they do want to do community calls? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, we do have an email address uh, that is set up um, for people to um, submit ideas uh, with regard to the focus calls that we have. I would even venture to say, uh, you know, people who are interested in uh, offering translation services or offering to do a a, a Spanish-speaking call or or podcast. Um, I think um, bienvenidos, B-I-E-N-V-E-N-I-D-O-S at acb.org is a, a perfect way to get in contact and uh, maybe have some, some really constructive, um, some dialogue as to what what can be done, what direction um, you'd like the subcommittee to take a look at, or even if you're wanting, wanting to volunteer, um, it's, that's a great place to, to let us know that. Gabriel, anything to add? No, basically, um, you know, we, we have talked about translations and uh, definitely it's, it, it's a big task because it's not just about trans, you know, doing a verbatim uh, there's a lot of considerations so i do uh, you know i, I it, it's it's one of the things that i do a lot and i've done a lot in in my work um and i know it's 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 a big undertaking so yeah definitely any collaboration is more than welcome i think anything that we do is going to have to be taken in, in incremental steps because if you just look at the infrastructure that we have set up here in acb it's it's huge so yeah yeah we we cannot promise that we're gonna have all of a sudden we're gonna have everything translated you know definitely <laughs> keep key parts uh you know uh, you know the home page we could start with a you know with a uh, and this is something that i always tell people i've shared this with dan um i've told them even if you go to a website like of a big corporation that have you know businesses that have deep pockets um they 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 have a, a little link that says en espanol um and you click on that and it's basically a condensed version of their yeah. whole website it's not an entire uh, like mirror <laughs> in spanish 
It's um, crucial so information. It's crucial, exactly. So it's the it's the it's the key points, you know, things that are time sensitive, things that are happening, uh, important news, links to contact people, and 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 things that that we you know that that uh, that we we deem very very relevant. And then, like Guillermo said, you know, organically uh, translating. Obviously, if there's a big announcement, if there's um, something huge happening in the organization definitely uh we are we are we are pro having that translated uh especially if it's time sensitive and in, in almost real time uh but that you know that we 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 can take as it comes do you see the subcommittee having you know gotten its feet wet enough to present programming in omaha uh, which for folks that don't know is our next national convention. I, you know, it, it, I'm not going to commit the subcommittee to anything yet. Um, <laughs> so, but it's possible. Yeah. It's possible it's that we can mind. maybe think of something. Yeah. So we, it's, it's definitely something we'll need to talk about. So it's up to the folks out there to start barrading you with ideas and, and things that they want to see happen and, and um, things that will make them feel more enfolded into the ACB universe, huh? Yeah. And, and just basically, if you know somebody that would benefit from this, spread the word. Definitely. I'm going to slide in a sideways direction before um, I ask Byron for the hand. So beware, Byron, coming in a minute or two. Um, but you both have a, another affiliation in common. We have a past president and the current president of Blind Pride International. Tomorrow is National Coming Out Day. Um, I want to ask you both if there's any special message you want to, you know, give the folks out there. And, um, you know, as a Hispanic who also uh, has LGBTQ ties, is it any different than um, what we've been talking about so far? And let's let's go with Gabriel first. Oh well. Coming out day is is very symbolic because uh, in the LGBT community, for those who don't know, it's it's a day in which people who are um, of the LGBT community are encouraged to come out if they haven't done so yet. It, it doesn't have to be a big thing. They're encouraged to come out to a loved one, a family member, a friend, uh, someone. <laughs> Um, and it's also uh, I like it because it's it's the day to recognize the importance of coming out because for those of us who have come out it it, it is a huge process it is a big thing and it is life changing uh, it is coming from being uh, from a place of shame into a place of pride so that's you know the full 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 opposite of each other hispanic culture is a little bit slower in assimilating lgbt um uh, lgbt ideology or lgbt uh life because of many things one is a strong 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 religious background uh, and you know still tied in the in the old school religion uh, you know where everything is a sin <laughs> uh, 
uh, let alone being gay or LGBTQ. And also there's this, there's this big macho culture where, uh, you know, people still have the stereotype, many people, not everyone, but many people still have the stereotype that, uh, for example, I'm going to speak for myself, um, that a gay man is effeminate and, uh, is, you know, is, is very girly acting and looking. So there's a lot of stereotypes. So for me, the combination of both coming out and being Hispanic is very, very, very uh, monumental and very symbolic. I don't like this comment, but 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 I get it a lot when I've come out to people, uh, especially Hispanic people. They tell me, "Oh, but you don't look good." Um, mm. You know, I have to. <laughs> yeah, I have convince them that you actually are. Yeah, yeah, and then and then and then there's it's 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 like when people tell me you don't look blind. You know, it's 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 the same kind of feeling that it evokes. It's like they're trying to pay you a compliment, but but it's not. You know, it's 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 actually a little bit insulting because what do you mean that you know to be gay? I have to I have to what wear lipstick and yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Just 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 putting it out there uh, that that it is the combination of both being Hispanic and and coming out is is very important. It's very difficult, but I I do encourage people to do it. It's not impossible. So I I just as Gabriel was talking, um, I I had a thought cross my my head, and that is that we this week um, are, are celebrating. Uh, a couple of things um yeah because and 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 really uh this goes with uh with all of this talk of uh independence day uh in latin american countries uh we're, we're celebrating national coming out day tomorrow and at the end of the week we'll be celebrating white cane day and i think uh in celebrating both those days to me, it's all about not only, you know, asserting your place in society, whether you're blind, whether you're, you're gay or Hispanic or whatever the situation is, it's we, the main component of all of this and the common theme that sort of runs through this is education and how we choose to educate those that are around us. Well said. So I love that. I yeah. love that. Well, well said. And, and I have to piggyback on what Guillermo said because that's that's usually my answer for uh, when I when people ask me, like, why do you have to be so out? And I tell them because that's my way of educating, um, and it's it's my way of showing you that you know th that sexual orientation is not what you thought or blindness or or, or blindness or, you know it's it, it applies to all of these different scenarios yeah it does so let's check with byron and see if we have any hand chat so i don't see any hands but i do have a question for you guys um so if somebody wants to learn more 
about ACB and they are a Spanish speaker. Um, are there any avenues of social media that one could look for on Facebook or, or Twitter or any other like mailing lists where the content is primarily uh, Spanish and uh, they talk about the advocacy issues and things that we're doing at ACB? Is there a social media place? So right now the, there is not. Uh, but that is something that as part of the conversations that we have is something that we're going to look at. Do you plan on incorporating, um, you know, historic, historical information into your programming at some point? Historical information about ACB? About ACB, but, you know, also about, you know, the, the varying Hispanic cultures, you know, I think a lot of people, um, don't understand how varied under one language, how many varied cultures there are. You know, somebody from Peru, mm -hmm. for instance, has a very different experience from somebody from Mexico who has an extremely different experience from somebody from Spain. Um, you know, at some point, do you want to, you know, provide education for oh, most those definitely. Yeah, most yeah. definitely. And that, that'll be something that we'll be doing within uh, the Multicultural Affairs Committee. And hand check one more time okay i'm not seeing any at the moment all right so gabriel why don't you give us a little teaser about some of the stuff that is in that blog post okay so um <laughs> well the i i really i really put a my my personal experience uh but i also felt the need to to clarify because many people think that uh spaniard conquerors coming to latin america was the best thing that happened which actually it wasn't <laughs> um it was it was very detrimental for for the cultures that already existed um you know uh, and this goes not only for for Latin American native habitants, but also uh, North American. You know, I'm sure that we all share the same sentiment. When uh, I, I cringe when when people say that famous phrase that almost became so so uh, like like such a fact that when people say Christopher Columbus discovered America. America was already inhabited when Christopher Columbus came to uh, the continent, um, and I and I and I go through that process of how the interactions were and how the Spaniards took advantage of what they call Indians because they had they thought that they had discovered an alternate route to get to the in, to India to the Indies, so they call trading right. Uh, yeah, spice trading, because, you know, yes, Christopher Columbus did sustain that the world was round, but they didn't know that there was something in between Europe and uh, Asia uh, going uh, west on the Atlantic Ocean. So, so it, it, it was, it was, you know, it was, uh, our countries are, were very rich in gold and silver. Obviously, all those mines were exploited by, by the Spaniards. And then there was a combination, you know, there was a mix of races, 
that now, you know, that gave birth to the races that now we have, you know, in, uh, as far as Latin America. And, and then I, I just spoke a little bit about how after 1821, which is the, you know, this year we celebrated 200 years of independence, quote unquote, from Spain, because then we went into another type of, of, of dependency, which was uh, financial. And then the 1900s, when we started looking up to the U.S. as a solution for everything, and then the uh, migration, whether legal or illegal, of people up into the United States. I do point it out in the um, blog post and the article that I was privileged enough to be able to legally migrate to the United States, and that it it, it is it is tough. It is tough to to still keep an identity when you when you come to to a country that you have learned to admire so much. So I I'm very appreciative of Hispanic heritage and, and of the relationship with the United States, because I do feel that if it weren't for the support of the United States, many of the countries would have not survived uh, post-independence from Spain. What are some, oh, go ahead, Guillermo. I think uh, I, I would have to echo those sentiments, um, you know, kind of going back to, um, the beginning here when I talked about my grandparents, uh, I am appreciative that they never, even though they came to this country, they never let us forget where we've come from and where we've been. Um, and for them, it was so important for us to, to be a part of this country and, you know, culture you know, you learned English at school, but when you came home, um, you know, it would be, it would be Spanish, uh, and sometimes even both, which was a very confusing time. So I'm just, I'm, I'm always grateful that we were never allowed to, to forget that. Mm. It's, it's like that in, in most Italian families too. We're very much rooted in where we came appreciative and, and glorious of where we are, but rooted in where we came from as well. What are some misconceptions about the Latin or Hispanic community? Um, that we're all Mexican. Can... <laughs> 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 yeah, okay. What else? That, that uh, I think another misconception that was um, without getting political, but definitely was very, very exacerbated um, after 2016 was that uh, we're all criminals. <laughs> yep. That we're lazy. Yes. You know, I, I, I don't want to get too political. That's, you know, not the purveyance of Sunday edition, but when you when you see things like or hear comments like that and and hear things that are going on and and the ways that certain groups of people are are spoken about at the border and and whether or not you know some folks deserve a chance to be here you know can can either one of you speak a little bit to that um i i can i i am so I speak 
from from a from a position in which I was able to migrate legally. Um, and I know this country does offer many uh, many routes, but when you are a family or when you are a father who say loses your shack that you had built in in a piece of land in a mountain because of a flooding um and then you have nothing nothing and i mean nothing to lose you know you're not gonna be thinking let me go the legal route <laughs> you're just thinking not even pack up let's let's start walking north so i i cannot blame them for doing that i wish our governments would work a little bit more in tandem to prevent that from happening i think that is the approach and has been a big part of the approach of many or most governments of the united states in and in, in helping our countries the problem is that uh, there's a very fine line between being a sovereign nation and then the controls that a country like United States needs to put in um, to make sure that the help that they're sending gets to where it needs to get. So, so it's, it's, it's very difficult. It, it's a very complicated, hence no one has been able to find a, a viable solution to this point. Now, I do think that um, dreamers do deserve and need a path to citizenship without a second thought. And it shouldn't be open to negotiation. It shouldn't be open to discussion. It's, you know, th this is the lives of people who are Hispanic by culture, but have lived here for their entire lives. So th 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 this is their country. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that people who, through no fault of their own, are going through these situations are, are finding themselves being ostracized by the government. So, Byron, let's do another hand check. Um, we're closing in on about 10 minutes here. Okay. At the moment, I don't see any um, hands. But uh, feel free to please check your email or your Facebook and look for that Zoom link if you have any questions that you would like to ask Gabriel or uh, Guillermo. Please uh, come on in and answer and ask those questions. And please, Byron, feel free to interrupt us and let us know if we have a hand. Um, we'll Absolutely. go Guillermo and then Gabriel. Um, tell the folks about your Hispanic, Hispanic heritage and culture. Your, you know, whether it's your country, your grandparents, your food, tell us what being Latin means to you. <laughs> Where do I even begin? Uh, just um, to me, Latin, you know, being Latin in, in, in the way that I've grown up is a sense of community. Uh, it's a sense of if you are in need we're there. It's, it's a sense of support. It's a sense of pride. And, and really, um, just being able to be of service to others. Nice. Gabriel? 
to me, uh, being Latin, is, I'm gonna echo Guillermo in saying that it's it's community because we we believe in family. Um, we believe in helping each other. We believe in interactions. So, you know, Hispanic neighborhoods can be very <laughs> full of gossip, but you know that uh, people who are, um, you know, you know that that old lady who's at her window watching, what time did you come in last night? Abuelita. Is, <laughs> is gossip also, to the umpteenth degree, mind you. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's also, she's also the same lady who will come with a sopa de pollo or chicken soup uh, when you are sick. It's also the same lady who's going to tell you uh, what to do for that ear infection. <laughs> so It might be some also... really crazy home remedy that you think this woman is just out of her mind. She's trying to kill me. <laughs> but, but they work. <laughs> <laughs> they do. You know what? Tell us about your abuelitas. Well, uh, my, I, I obviously, my my mom's mom, um, she was not Honduran by birth. City. She was yes. Arabic city. Yeah, she was <laughs> she was a Palestinian, but she migrated to Honduras at such a young age, and you know, made a life in Honduras that she almost uh, became Honduran. <laughs> by you know just just by acclimation or by by you know just living there so long but my abuela uh olivia on my dad's side she was a country lady uh very honest very hard working very very outspoken um and 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 very i don't know how to say it very very funny Uh, and 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 she would tell you what she thought, and 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 her joy and pride was that her house was in in her town, which is a town in in the center of Honduras called San Ignacio. Um, her house was the center of meetings. Uh, she would have coffee and sweet pastries for everyone in the town everyone who came in would have a plate of food and 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 she felt so proud of it and and that's what that's what she loved and that's what she taught her children and uh, you know she did some 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 crazy things like you know punishments that I told my dad like oh my god don't ever even think about doing that because I'll, I'll denounce I'll, I'll call the police Uh, but that was their way of making them, making them people uh, in their mind. That was their way of making them people, uh, productive, decent, honest members. Like you know, I don't know, Guillermo, if you're if if you heard this from 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 your your abuelita, the you know the punishment where they would uh, throw uh, the dry uh, uh, kernel kernel. Oh my god! Oh my god! Cur uh, corn kernels. The, not the ones that you would eat, but the ones that they would use to plant, which are very, very hard, dry kernel corns. They would throw like a like like a like a whole bunch of them on the floor and have the kids actually kneel on those kernel corns. Yes. Wow. 
Yes. Yes. Um, so as far as my grandmother, um, I'm trying not to get too emotional because uh, we just lost her um, last year. Um, Sorry. Yeah. Um, she was somebody that was a very hard worker. Um, she could be very hard when she needed to be. Um, but she also had like the softest heart. Um, she was always of service. She loved kids uh, so much so that she thought about um, opening um, a daycare center and she was just always there for people. Um, you know, everywhere she lived, uh, you know, in, in her apartment building, she would always cook for the workers, the maintenance people, the whoever, uh, the manager, the the mailman, if, if, if given the opportunity and she would, she would just feed them. And, um, she always was very thoughtful and just very giving, um, and just taking gifts to the people that she encountered. Um, she was just that, that type of person, but yes, uh, Gabriel did mention the, the hard punishments. Um, she also had a wicked sense of humor um and and just would um find things to scare people straight um <laughs> wow yeah i my brother I, she she always used to use this this fish that was in her aquarium and just take them out for a brief second and it was this huge like it almost looked like a, a shark you know, by her description, and he would just freak out. <laughs> just, she she was a prankster. Um, she 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 loved deeply. Um, she served a lot, and just um, always full of good wisdom. She was always a rock for for people. You know, it's funny, I'm, I'm thinking with just a couple of tweaks, you could be talking about both of my grandmothers who were best, best friends for I, my mother and father met when they were five and 10 years old. And they both were very known to, to say, yes, of course, my husband wears the pants in the family, but I wash them, I mend them, and I know where to hide them when I don't want them to have them. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking that uh, all three of these grandmothers probably felt the same exact way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, let's check and see if we have any hands. I do not see any at the moment. Well then, Guillermo, why don't you give us and spell it again? That email address if uh folks want to suggest some comment, uh some content or um you know, ask any questions. So I'm gonna spell it very slowly. It's bienvenidos B as in Bravo, I-E-N as in Nancy, V as in Victor, E-N as in Nancy, I-D-O-S at A-C-B dot org. And maybe you can put that in, in show notes. We will, or, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And Gabriel, the current, uh, the current address for Blind Pride International? blindlgbtpride.org that is blindlgbtpride.org 
pride.org. All right. And folks. I just wanted to, um, I, I don't know if I, if I mentioned the date of the focus call, um, but if not, I will, I will say it again. Uh, so MCAC's focus call on the um, Sonia, Sonia Mora, Sotomayor memoir. My tongue almost got twisted. <laughs> um, it's going to be uh, November 23rd at um, 8.30 Eastern. So you've got more than enough time to li uh, listen to the book. I believe it is on BART, correct? Yes. 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 All right. Well, folks, I want to thank Debbie Brown. I want to thank Guillermo Robles. And I would like to thank Gabriel Lopez Cafati. Next week, I will be back with the Get Up, Get Moving folks and a few special announcements with Janine Stanley from IRA. Sunday edition is here every week at 1 p.m. And you'll get an email address if you have any questions for me in the closing. You've been listening to Sunday edition with Anthony on ACB Radio Mainstream. For more information, questions, comments, feedback, suggestions, etc., please email celebration AC. That's the word celebration with the letters AC at AOL.com. Look forward to hearing from you and let's brunch again next Sunday.